And uh, Miss Linda, thank you for putting that on. And I want to just give her a hand, man. Now, we, we had a lot of volunteers, and I know one of them, uh, he was like, well, you know, I left my job to come down here uh, and, and work, and he was kind of like, ah, tired. But when he saw what he said was the disgusted look on my face when my daughter won the fish, it made it all worth it to him. So, water bath, uh, I'm sure grateful <laughs> for all our people. Uh, I want to also just say, you know, we got water baptisms coming up here July 30th. We're monitoring the river, and uh, if you want to get baptized, this would be the time to do it. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, unless the river stays abnormally high, we're going to try for the 30th of July. You should get baptized. After that, we'll go up to the Oasis. All right, Mark chapter 13, and I'm uh, in a summer study of the stories Jesus told. This is the greatest stories ever told. Predominant theme of Jesus' parables, believe it or not, had to do with his second coming, uh, and specifically uh, relationship to the Jewish nation. And uh, th- this is really a, a, probably the second most discussed theme that Jesus had. And I, I, I just thought it was sort of a fitting weekend to do this. So I want to read uh, Mark 13, verse 28 and 29, the parable of the fig tree. I want to read this, these two verses and pray. This is what Jesus said. Learn from this parable of the fig tree. When its branch has become tender and put forth leaves, you should know that summer is near. So you also... When you see these things happening, know that it's near at the doors. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words of life. I thank you for these uh, wonderful, timeless truths. And I pray that we would have a heart to be discerning in this hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Now, you probably remember exactly where you were on 9-11. I know where I was. I had just taken a shower, and I was coming out, and... I, I turned on the news for some reason as I was kind of getting ready. And, you know, I, I saw towers in there. I was getting dressed. I ran downstairs because I, I was a young kid then. And I said, Mom, turn on the news, man. This is crazy what's happening. And so we were glued to the TVs. Now, my wife Elizabeth was in high school in Nova Scotia. And she remembers when that happened, the entire high school was na- glued to the TVs. And she said they were crying. You know, really concerned about Americans? Aren't you grateful for Canadians? I don't think Americans would be crying about Canada getting burned down, right? <laughs> I mean, she was really t- uh, like, oh my goodness, what's happening to our neighbors in the South? Some days are just forever etched in your mind. You probably remember exactly where you were. I also remember at that time that churches were full of people, and th- there was a seriousness in those days. People were really like locked in. Reality hit home at that moment to me. Like we're living in the end times. Like, like I was like, wow, this, this is an incredible historical moment. Now, this weekend, we get to celebrate America. How many of y'all love America? Yeah. I do love America. I'm grateful, man. And you ought to pray for America. You know, I was at Lowe's the other day. I'm walking through the store and I was hearing, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, amber waves of grain. And it just brought back the fuzzy, warm feeling I got from the 4th of July at my grandma's house. You know, I, 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 an appreciation for our land. For all of its flaws, America is the best place to live. That's something I believe. So, you know, thinking of America made me think about another nation. A nation, by the way, that wouldn't exist without America. It's the nation of Israel. God used Harry Truman in 1948 to reestablish the Jewish nation. And I believe it's one of the reasons God raised up America. And so I want to just walk through some insights into the end times. 
You know, we're looking at all these parables of Jesus, and this is a large portion of what he taught. Now, many scholars have noted that America is absent uh, from the picture of the last days. Like, like the Western countries, really not alluded to. If you study the Bible, you'll find that it predominantly deals in the Middle East. That's mysterious to a lot of people. It's filled with theories as to where that, why that happens, what happens to America. Uh, what does the future hold? Nobody knows. But we do know who holds the future. Now, I want to read here this uh, 28th uh, verse here. It said, learn this parable from the fig tree. Someone say the fig tree. When its branches have already become tender and put forth leaves, Jesus said, you'll know that summer is near. And so when you see these things happening, you know it's, it's at the doors. It's, it's very near. I'll stop right here. And I want to just highlight something. Uh, the first point I want to make is that the end times is a time for Israel to come alive. Uh, Israel is the fig tree. I know that because I like to interpret the Bible with other verses. Hosea 9 and verse 10, where the Lord, God said he saw the, the fathers of Israel as the first fruits on the fig tree. That's what he recognized as a fig tree. And Israel's rebirth, its restoration as a nation, is the number one sign that we're living in these last days. It's the centerpiece of God's time clock. Uh, I, I ask atheists to explain to me Israel all the time. And they'll stare at me with a blank stare because they don't have an answer for that. That somehow was outside of their realm of thought. How God could take a nation and restore it. It's never happened in the history of the world, but it happened with Israel. It was uh, King Frederick the Great of Prussia who asked one of his advisors for evidence and proof that God existed. He said, what's the evidence of that? And his advisor said, Jesus said, when you see the existence of the Jewish people. A lot of times people lose sight of that. Jesus said, when you see these things happening, you can know it's near, it's at the doors. The, the harvest is soon, man. It is at the doors. The end of the age is at hand, which means life as normal as you know it one day is going to cease. And you know what's funny about that? Some people hear that, and they get scared about it rather than rejoice because they don't have a real understanding that, man, at the Lord's return, life is going to get a lot better for people. You know, this is an exciting time period. You are witness to Bible prophecy coming to pass. I mean, it's exciting moments. Do you have any idea the percentage of your Bible that is referring to Old Testament prophecy in these days? It's like a third of it, a quarter of it. I mean, a large percentage of Scripture is speaking about the days in which we live. And you can look at Israel and you can see the eyes of the world. All right? They're on Israel. Verse 30, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means take place until these things pass away. This generation, that is such an interesting phrase. Uh, because it, there's a little bit of theological complexity associated with it. Uh, I believe that it, it's what's called a dual reference. It, it's referring to the generation that existed in Jesus' day and a generation that exists in the time of the Lord's return. And that follows a larger biblical pattern. If you look at Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah's coming, like Isaiah 9, the one on your Christmas card, where it talked about, unto us a Savior is born. The, the seventh verse talks about the government being on his shoulder. And that has to do with his second coming, his first and his second coming wrapped into one verse. So it's, it's almost like it's a dual reference there. The same thing follows in Zechariah. You can find in the book of Daniel. You can find it as far back as Genesis in chapter 3. And, and so there's a larger pattern here 
of a generation born in Jesus' day and the generation we're living in today. It is an exciting hour to be in the world. And the idea here is that you have to keep your eyes upon Israel. That they are the apple of God's eye. And when I'm, when I'm watching world events, when I, when I look, look for a context in today's world, I, I look at the nation of Israel, and I can see that God is, is ready to do something incredible. Now, here's a second insight. Verse 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Jesus said, will by no means pass away. Now, here's a second thought. It, it, the end times is a time of great agitation. There's volatility and shaking. That, that's what Jesus said. Heaven and earth will pass. They'll be shaken, but my words will not be shaken. I remember I was doing marriage counseling with a couple one time, and they were fighting back and forth. And so later I mentioned that you know, there was a little bit of volatility in their relationship. And I remember the girl looked at me and she said, what do you mean by volatility? <laughs> that's sort of like the times we're living at. Who's volatile? You know, the, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 17, it talks about the shaking of an olive tree. You know how they harvest olives? Is they shake the branches. And when the branches are shaken at a certain time, that, that's when they're ripe and they fall off. That's how the harvest comes. Uh, Matthew 24, Jesus talked about a woman being in labor, and he likened these times like, like birth pangs, like, like the pain and travail of bringing forth the baby. And in this case, it's the travail of bringing forth the Messiah who's about to come back. I like what the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. You know, the world is being shaken right now. I mean, when you look at what's taking place, there's shaking. There's wars right now. I mean, think about Russia and the Ukraine. I mean, it was just a week ago that there was a coup against Vladimir Putin. And, you know, he stood up publicly, and he reminded everybody that if the government was overthrown, it would be like it was when the czar was overthrown in 1917. And something like 17 or 20 million Russians were killed. And he was just reminding everybody, if you overthrow the government, things could get really wild and out of hand. He just, a little subtle nod right there. Uh, I think about Israel. That's, that's what Jesus had been referring to here. And then what we see taking place in the nation of Iran. I've been to Israel twice. I'd like to go again, Lord willing. But every time we get over there, they're always telling us about the proxy war taking place with Iran. And the, the fuse is lit, and all it would take is a little bit of light. And you can see a major escalation take place between Israel and Iran. I mean, it, it's, it's really an incredible time to be alive. By the way, that, that, that's just, you know, wars. Think about economic shaking. I was watching CNN... And they had Zarkid for, uh, what's his name? Uh, Zarkid somebody interviewing President Macron of France. And they had, you know, these segments. And the president of France was saying that there is the need for a new economic order to exist in the world. He said that the current dollar-based system is archaic. And we need to have something new, a new structure in place so that we can have greater cohesion in the world. He's out there saying that the plan, the agenda, is to create a one-world economy, a one-world currency. I mean, that's the next logical step because the system we have now is so volatile and ready to be shaken. We could talk about you know, food shortages. I mean, we just went through that in COVID. It doesn't take too far of an imagination to see that becoming more of a reality. You could talk about earthquakes in various places. You know, like... I like it when people talk about the Yellowstone caldera. 
And then I'll go on online forums and I'll troll them. I'll say, you know, uh, if Yellowstone goes up, we in Montana are in the vaporized zone. The rest of y'all got to suffer through it. (laughs) These are times of, you know, agitation in the world. And there are things which cannot be shaken. Now, I believe the Bible. I believe it's inspired. It's the only religious book that makes the claim it's written by God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. Yeah, and it makes that claim. Now, I believe it's inspired. You want to know why? It gives an accurate worldview. It's the only book that teaches that mankind is inherently sinful. Every other book talks about the goodness of men. The Bible says mankind is flawed and needs a savior. And in the short 42 years I have been alive, I have seen some sin in my life. Can I get a witness? I'm just telling you how people are. You th- even the nicest little five-year-old children that you love will bite you and take toys at any second. It's called a sin nature. It also gives an accurate predictions of things to take place. Bible prophecy. I mean, with specific accuracy in the world, you see it taking place. Bible prophecy is coming to pass. Let me give you a few verses about that. Isaiah 27, verse 6. It says, Israel will fill the face of the world with fruit. You know, Israel produces more flowers than Holland in the desert because they've mastered drip irrigation systems. I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen miles of banana trees in the Jordan Valley. Yeah, Israel produces the most amount of food to the European Union. I mean, they, they are a, that's what the Bible said would happen. Daniel 12 and verse 4. The Bible says there'll be an exponential increase in technology, information, and in travel. I mean, think about artificial intelligence now. I mean, they're going to put things on people's faces and they run around in a virtual world. And artificial intelligence is the wave of the future. It's really an incredible time. And then, you know, accelerated races and travel. Man, I've been able to travel across the world on a couple of occasions. You, you can fly across the world in a number of hours, what used to take months for people to do. That's the times that we live in. The Bible said that would happen. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3 that we perilous times. That word perilous means stressful times. It's stressful because people end up being lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, unholy, unthankful, disobedient to parents. I mean, specifically what it says. Yeah. And 2 Peter 3 says in the last days, scoffers will come. Have you ever met someone who just kind of laughs it off? Yeah, 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 we heard that before. Specifically what scripture says, man. Let me give you another thought here about what Jesus said the last days would be like. And that's in Luke chapter 17 when he likened it to the days of Lot and Noah. Lot was living in a little town called Sodom. It's where we get the name sodomy because it has a reference to sexual perversion. And I'll tell you what agitates me is when I turn on the radio, and I'm a news junkie, so I listen to NPR. And I'm telling you, three out of five days of the week, they have to talk about transgender issues. So I'm on the radio listening to some African transgender person. And he's saying they don't have any you know, shows for them to you know, drag queen around in Africa, so they had to go to the most liberal place they could find in Egypt so they could put on their show. And Lot, Scripture says in 2 Peter 2, it vexed his soul to live in those conditions. It vexes my soul, it grieves my spirit when all I hear on the radio is sexual perversion being blasted all the time. I mean, it's like you turn around, you turn on your social media, on a, you're scrolling through reels, it's going to pop up at some point. 
I mean, it, it's, it's really an incredible thing, and it's fulfilling Scripture. It's an agitation. It creates stress. I can sense demonic activity in the world right now, but I also know that Jesus said, fear not, for I have overcome the world. He said, the greater one lives inside of me, and he lives inside of you, and he's given us the spirit of discernment to know what's taking place. So we live in a time of agitation right now. There is immense stress. Now let's see what a, a third insight would be. Look at verse 32. Of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. And the Bible says Jesus himself doesn't even know. Only the Father knows. Here's a third insight for you. The end times are a time of assurance. You can trust the Lord's plan for your life. This, these times are in God's hands. And they're his sovereign prerogative. He, he knows what they are, what's going to take place. This is such an interesting theological verse. It, there's a, a reference here to the Trinity. And, you know, I, I hold the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It, this deals with the supremacy of God. Now, I know a lot of people study the Holy Spirit. And I know lots of people love Jesus. They'll say Jesus is their homeboy. They love him. But very few people fully understand the nature of God the Father. He's probably the most misunderstood member of the Trinity. And what I love about the Bible is its balance. I mean, we just read verse 31. The end times are a time of agitation. But then we now read that the Father knows. We can have assurance. Not just agitation. You can have peace. And God is so wise. And he's, he's balanced. The concurrency of the Bible is an incredible thing. So here's what you can be assured of. You can be assured of the fact that God is in control of world events. He is in control. God the Father knows when these things will take place. Now, I know people with some strange ideas in the days in which we live. There, there's an interesting uh, like, like doctrine which is called open theism. You've probably never even heard of that. Open theism is this idea that God himself doesn't know what the future holds. He gives you the chance to make decisions, and he'll follow suit. That's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. People who teach this, they, they make statements like this. They'll say, well, uh, God is in charge, but he's not in control. He's given us, as humans, you know, the, the opportunity to be in control. And, you know, I believe that God has given mankind dominion on the earth. Do you believe that? I mean, he gave Adam the garden. He said, name the animals. He said, tend to. He's given us spiritual authority. He's given you abilities and gifts, and he, it's the, uh, mankind. But I do want to remind you that while Adam named the animals, God was the one who named Adam. Gives you something to think about. He's the father. He reigns supreme. And while he's designated and, and delegated things out to us, he is the one who's in charge of all things. That means you don't have to be afraid. Some people refuse to study the subject of prophecy because they think, man, people get confused. People get scared. You know, we talk about difficult things. And, and, and so they, they'll just go ahead and bury their head in the sand, like in the parable of the talents, where they never use the gifts or the, talent, or the abilities that God has given to them. They'll just bury things and, 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 and refuse to deal with it. But you don't have to be afraid. You have a covenant with God. He will provide for you. I like the 37th Psalm, man. I was reading this the other day. He said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed bag of bread. Uh, David said, the steps of a good man are ordered 
by the Lord. And in spite of difficulties and tension, in spite of all the things, I'm telling you, he's a good, good father. And Jesus said he will never leave you nor forsake you, even to the end of the age. That means he's with you through it all. Boy, that's a comforting thought to me. I can safely trust God's plan for my life. I can trust him. And I'm not afraid of what the future holds because I know who holds the future. I am in it to win it. I'm walking with him. I'm telling you, we can have assurance and peace and joy without any confusion in these days in which we live. Because God the Father watches over me. Let me give you a fourth insight here. Verse 33. Jesus said, take heed, watch and pray. Someone say, watch and pray. Because he said, you don't know when the time is. Now, the first parable, the parable of the fig tree is like a mini parable. And now we've got a second mini parable. This is called the parable of the watchful porter. Look what he said. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to each his work, and he commanded the doorkeeper to watch. So he says it again. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. You better think inside here. It's a time. The end times is a time for you to be alert. You better uh, wake up. Better be awake. Jesus said, take heed. That means listen up, y'all. Uh, watch and pray. Keep your head on a swivel. It's like watching you know, children for vacation Bible school, which we just got through. And when they're five and six, you had to watch those little munchkins because one of them might be beneath the chairs and the other one's climbing up the wall. I mean, it's, it's, you got to be alert if you're going to watch children. <laughs> now, I believe in what's called the doctrine of eminency. It's the idea that Jesus could return at any moment. He, he could come at any moment. And the writers of the New Testament clearly believe this. That's what they wrote in the Bible. I mean, Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4 said, we who are alive and remain when the Lord comes. They thought it would happen in their day. And Peter said this. He said, it's the last hour. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. John said the same thing. The day of the Lord is at hand. I mean, they, 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 they thought in their times Jesus was coming. And I, I'm amazed when people don't get that concept. You have to live your life in such a way you are alert and watching for his return. You know, it's sort of similar, this parable, this micro parable to, this, to the parable of the talents and the parable of the wise virgins. His coming will come at an unexpected time. It's sort of like when your in-laws show up at Christmas and you hadn't planned for it. Like, like you got your group that you had and then more people show up and you got to create more because you should always be prepared. So since we're living in the light of the Lord's return, what are you going to do about it? Here he said, first of all, you got to be watchful. Watch. We're in the season, man. And Jesus said, you can discern the times. Nobody knows the hour, but the times can be discerned. You can look to the sky and you can see if it's going to storm. That, that's the time we're at. We're in this time we can look at it. We can see the Lord has come. Yeah, you, you should uh, not just read the news. Uh, you should read your Bible. That's what it means to watch. Uh, today's headlines are yesterday's Bible verses. Uh, Jesus just said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Prayer is what keeps you focused. Uh, it keeps you sharp. I believe an active prayer life 
is so vital for preparation. I just went through something where I was praying about it, and the Lord was just telling me to be prepared, be prepared, be prepared, be prepared, and suddenly it took place. And that's exactly what the Lord's saying here about these days in which we live. The point of the parables is you've got to be prepared. You live with preparation. And when you spend time with God in his presence praying, have a prayer life, study the scriptures, you will be prepared. You, you, your heart will be ready. You, you, you'll be like the wise virgins watching at any moment, ready for his coming. And, and I like what 1 Thessalonians 1 says, that we should serve God and wait for his son to appear from heaven. So we're watching old enough now, we didn't have cell phones. We're waiting on. You know, I remember growing up out in the country, and I grew up, I'm old enough now, we didn't have cell phones. Anyone remember those good old days? Yeah. And my mother would leave us home. She, I was like maybe 10, and you know, we lived way out there. It was, you know, outside of town. And, and so she would say, now, I'm leaving. When I get back, this place better be cleaned up. She had an assignment for us. I want the beds made. I want the living room put. I want everything cleaned up. But she'd leave, and we had no idea how long that lady would be gone. And so I was making forts out of the couches. My sisters were baking cookies. I mean, we were running around the place making a mess, but what we had was a pair of binoculars. And we could look out the road, and we knew if we saw that station wagon coming up the gravel road with the dirt falling behind it, we had about seven minutes to get that thing ready. But I'm telling you, you won't have seven minutes to know when the Lord's coming. You've got to live your life prepared. You've got to be ready when he comes. Yeah. Uh, a time will come when you better be ready. That means you've got to keep a watchful eye on these times in which we're living. All right, now, number five. Fifth and final thought. Look at verse 36. Jesus said, lest coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. Somebody say sleeping. Sleeping. And then he said, what I'm saying to you, I'm saying to everybody. I'm saying to Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, people who live in Missouri, people who live in the Czech Republic, people all across the world. I'm telling everybody, be watchful in these times. What this tells me is it's not just a time to be alert. It's a time for you to be awake. It's time to wake up. One of the signs of the last days is drowsiness. You call it lethargy, spiritual apathy, which is plaguing the church. That's the reason why you got to listen to people's perverse stories on the news all the time because the church is asleep and not stepping up into its place and positions of authority. Everybody is asleep in the world today, it seems like. And the Bible warns against it. I mean, I think about what Paul wrote in Romans 13. It's high time to awake to righteousness. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness. And we could talk about Ephesians 5, verse 14. He said, awake you who sleep. It means you better get out of bed because that alarm clock is buzzing. That drives me nuts. Don't hit snooze, man. That's what Jesus is saying. Get up, roll over out of bed. Now, I am a morning man. My best time is in the morning. I'm better at 5 a.m. than 5 at night. That's just me. I got a few other my friends like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you get up in the morning, I'm like wide awake, man. And here's what that means. You, you got to stay active. My alarm goes off at 4.30 some days, and I, run, I go down to the gym. I meet some friends down there, and we run. And I'm active, man. I'm active. I'm, I'm, I'm staying after it. And uh, the Bible says you ought to exercise yourself towards godliness. That's what activity is. Staying, staying right. you, can, you can exercise your spiritual senses and be a more mature person. Just, just by being active and, and, and staying alert, staying awake. And stay accountable. Now, I'm motivated to get up. No problem at all for me if I've got some people to meet. If I've got 
you know, a, a place to be and someone to go. I'm totally okay to do. I have no problem doing that because it's accountability. And the same thing is true in my own personal life. I love accountability. I, the people I hang out with, they keep me smarter. They, they might correct me on something and the blind spot that I need. I have no problem being a person who's submitted my life. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful. Accountability keeps me watchful and alert. It keeps me awake. I'm not sleeping. I'm, and, and also, you need to stay employed. It's interesting in the parable here. These guys, you know, we're out working. And, and you got to stay employed in the service of the Lord. Luke 19, Jesus said, to occupy until I come. Occupy. Uh, that, that's actually a military term. One translation says do business. Here's all it means. You got to live your life, man. Raise your children, remodel your home maybe, and stay busy about your father's business. You got stuff to do for the Lord. I mean, these are the days in which we got to be about his business, watchful, prayerful. You know, I, I remember I had this job at uh, Boise Cascade, you know, building materials distribution. And so there's a couple shifts. One was the night shift. I worked the year before. The next year, I got the day shift. And I was pretty excited because they offered overtime all summer long. But the only problem was overtime was at 6 in the morning. You come in early to get that overtime, which was great. I'm a morning guy. We, got, you know, we were ready for it. You've you got to be employed in, in the work of the Lord. You've got to wake up. That's what Jesus said. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. That's what the Lord is saying. Now, you may disagree with me. Uh, about what I'm about to say, but that's all right. We can reasonable people can disagree. Uh, you know, 9/11 is what they call a black swan event, and what a black swan event is something that's unusual and has far-reaching implications. And we just went through uh, a similar black swan event, which was called COVID, changed the whole world, man. The world will never be the same after that. Now, I tend to think that it was manipulated in some ways, and I think that there was agendas at work. You can disagree. That's what I think. I also think a black swan event is imminent and around the corner at some point. Just the times we live in. I don't know what it's going to be. It just seems like these things are ramping up with increasing veracity. It just seems like we're living in times in which, uh, you know, things are shaking. But I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm awake and alert. I guess the question is, are you awake and alert? Are you sleeping or are you awake? You, know, you can tell if someone's sleeping and you can tell if someone's awake. People who are awake are people who read their Bible. The people they come. Uh, they're people who watch and pray. Uh, they're people who will witness and share their faith to people they come across. Uh, people who are awake uh, are people who serve God. They're, they're living their lives in preparation. Sleepy people don't do that, man. They, they make it to church occasionally. They certainly don't show up on holiday weekend. Maybe you're uh, stressed out about it rather than at rest. Man, I have peace. I am looking for the Lord's return. It fires me up. My wife's from Nova Scotia, Canada. And uh, her sister Jackie would remember um, Elizabeth and Jackie had a childhood friend named Sophia, and Sophia was from Germany. Sophia's dad was a doctor, and they lived in Germany, and they had a second summer home on Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, beautiful place. I was up there, uh, I think 2010, 
We just been through the subprime mortgage meltdown, sort of a black swan event. And I remember the Germans who had lots of money and were doctors were terrified about what was taking place. This lady, she was like telling us how things are going to get crazy and the world economic system could be collapsing. I mean, and that was, t- you know, 10 years ago. And she, she had so much fear about it. But I don't live that way, man. I'm not stressed out about it. I, I know that the Lord is in control of all things and he's my father and he loves me. I, I don't have to have a fear about it. So I don't, I don't know. I want to pray that. I want to pray if you're stressed out for the peace of God. And I want to pray if you're sleeping that you'd be awake. Anyone feel maybe stressed out and you could use the peace of God about it? Because I, I come across people like that all the time. So Father, we just thank you. Ooh, I just thank you for the peace of God in our future. Mm. Thank you for assurance and goodness and mercy. Thank you that it follows us all the days of our lives. Everywhere I go, the peace of God goes. Goodness and mercy go with us. I pray that over the people of God. I pray for supernatural, sudden peace. Increase in every way. Thank you. I thank you for an increase of peace. I thank you for clarity, not confusion. And I thank you for wise decision making in investments. Thank you that you would just help, help nudge us to make, do the, make the right decision. I pray the peace of God about it. I pray in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I, I pray, Lord, that people would wake up out of slumber in this church, in this city, in this state, in this nation. God, we pray for an awakening to occur in America on this 4th of July weekend, God. We're asking you for your mercy over America to wake us up from slumber. Father, we're asking, God, that you'd show yourself strong on behalf of this nation, a nation that you have blessed, a nation that's blessed Israel. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. You know, I was um, thinking about all the jobs I used to have. I used to have a job as a Pizza Hut delivery driver. And, you know, those guys, they'll do like night work. Well, I was doing the lunch shift. I'll never forget this day, dude. This guy, he, he came in super tired, yawning, and he, apparently he'd been up all night moving his buddy. So when the lunch hour hit, that dude fell asleep right beneath the drive through window. Spread eagle, snort, drooling. And we had to step carefully and hand pizzas out the window. Yeah, so that people could get their pizzas. you laughing about that. Yeah. But I know a lot of people who are laughing, but not awake. I know a lot of people sleeping. Yeah. And I don't want you to be sleeping. You want to be awake. You want to be wise to the time, the Bible says. So I want to give you a chance. Maybe the alarm's going off. And if you've been hitting snooze for too long, I want to pray over you. You've got to get right with God. You've got to wake up to this hour in which we're in. It's a fascinating hour. An hour you don't want to miss. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If, uh, if you're not awake and you're sleeping on the job, I'd like to pray with you. Put a hand up. And I want to pray. People who are sleeping could be awake. Yeah. Maybe things have gotten in your way. Look at that. I see people's hands. Man, look, I, I, just put a hand up. Just say, Lord, wake me up. I want to be spiritually alive and alert. I pray for the Spirit of God to come into my heart and shake things up and wake me up. Say that, Lord, wake me up. Shake me from slumber. I want to be right with you. Well, and if you prayed that prayer, you better be serious about it because he will. He might bring things into your life that really shake you. And what he's doing is getting you ready for the harvest because he's got a purpose for you. You ever have that moment when you wake up and you can't get back to sleep? That's what you want. 
want that spiritually. Amen, amen, amen. I feel God's presence. Debbie, I had a great time prophesying over you. God's goodness is coming to your life. Yeah. Let's stand up this morning. Hey, if you want prayer, the altars, we're here to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Mm. I have a real burden for America, and I have a burden for God's plans and purposes. I feel the Holy Spirit on me, man. I just declare that God's plans and purposes are coming into your life. Thank you. Let's just take a moment. I feel that. I feel led to pray that. I, I just declare and decree over you right now the plans and the purpose of God coming into your life. You know what I feel like doing? Let's just pray in the Spirit for a minute here. If, you pray, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, let's pray. About the days ahead, Father, I thank you. Thank you right now. We want to be awake. We want to be alert. Oh, but you know not of. Your plans, great and mighty plans. Ooh, mm, great mighty plans, which you know not of. Mm, God knows your end from your beginning. Oh, I feel, you know what I feel? I feel the covenant of God. I feel strength guiding you and leading you. Mm, you know, some of you got questions about what he's, what he's doing. But what I found out with questions is you just keep walking with him, and he'll answer those questions. I feel it. I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. I, I just sense that, man. I feel the goodness of God. Y'all believe God's got something great for you? It's coming in your life, man. Amen, amen, amen. I love you all very much. If you want prayer, these altars are open. I want to ha- have you a great 4th of July. We'll catch you next Sunday morning. Bring a friend out to church. It's great to have you out. If you want prayer, we're here. Love you. Bye-bye.